Hello, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. So, folks, thank you for tuning in. We are glad to do the show this week. We got good vibes coming up. We got the NBA playoffs. We got the NHL playoffs. I'm on cloud nine with my Miami Heat. I'm not going to lie, but we've got some NFL stuff to talk about today. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully you're enjoying the uh, the nice weather. Dominic, how have you been? I'm doing amazing, William. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much for asking. All right, Dom, let's get straight into the NFL. Uh, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, going on over the course of the offseason. Um, we got, of course, the draft. We got the NFL schedule being released and all that good stuff. So what uh, we talk about, uh, you know, something we talked about on the show the last few weeks, Tom, is the draft, right? And, uh, you know, which players do we think are most I guess you say ready for the NFL. Um, and, you know, we were talking yesterday actually off air and you'd um, sent me one of the pictures of, uh, of quarterback who went to number one overall Bryce Young and mad did he ever look small uh, next to his offensive lineman with the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, something that we've talked about on the show before, you've said you wanted guys to sit kind of learn from uh, from starting quarterbacks and not necessarily throw them into the fire. And do you think that's really going to be or should be the case with uh, with Carolina quarterback uh, Bryce Young there? We'll talk about him first, um, and then maybe you think if there's uh, any other players that you think are NFL ready to start right away or or you think that uh, should maybe sit for a few uh, for a few weeks or even for the season. Uh, but talk specifically about Bryce Young, Dominic. What are your thoughts? And do you really think it'd be a big mistake if he ends up starting week one? You know, the guy apparently is one of the smartest quarterbacks to ever have entered the league. So for him to rely solely on his ability to have pocket presence, to read defenses, it's not going to be enough, in my personal opinion, because I really do think his stature is just one that worries me tremendously. He's just too much of a smaller quarterback. And when you're playing big guys, professionals, it just takes one massive hit for your career to be maybe even over. And to have invested so much capital to get the number one overall pick, you got to get it right. So all that being said, that's pretty much the main reason that I think Bryce Young should, should sit is that he needs to hit the weights. He really does. I mean, you could make a case that the guy could be Houdini in the pocket and you don't have to be that big. And if he, if he has the scrambling ability, sure. But I don't see it in Bryce Young. I don't know why he went first, first overall, but clearly he did. CJ Stroud would have been my pick if I was Carolina and I would have never traded all that draft capital. But that's in the past. Carolina has Bryce Young. They got to move forward, and we'll have to wait to see what this team can do with him either this year. But I'm hoping it's going to be next. Yeah, like that's right. That's always the the big debate there, and I think that you know, there's no there's no question, right? The 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 main question mark on Bryce Young is going to be his size, uh, whether that's you know his height or the weight room. Um, and yeah, I think that you know potentially sitting and and you know a year could help him out. It just, I, for me, if they had, you know, they, a veteran quarterback, and I know you talked about they got Andy Dalton, and like Andy Dalton has been uh, a, a solid quarterback over the course of his career. Um, I think if it was more of a guy that's, you know, a proven winner and uh, someone that 
it can really lead a franchise, I would get it a little bit more. But I understand from your point of view, and I know that you're kind of a big Andy Dalton guy, and you uh, you had his back, and you said, look, he's, he hasn't necessarily won a ton of playoff games, but he still can be that guy that comes in there um, that and that's uh, that's able to to kind of lead your your franchise for a few games, and you know who knows maybe Bryce Young will be able to to learn under a guy like him. He has experience, and uh, you know it's not uh, it's not always necessarily about what guys have done in the past and the amount of wins and losses. It's really just being able to read a defense uh, and a playbook and everything. But something that you mentioned that's important is Bryce Young is is a smart QB, and I think potentially he'd be able to to pick up uh, the the playbook right away, and uh, and yeah. We mentioned um, the Atlanta Falcons and the fact that they have quarterback question marks. You got the New Orleans Saints. Um, obviously, then you have Carolina as well and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a lot of question marks at the quarterback position. Um, heading into this season, Dom, who would you say has the most question marks surrounding their team? Um, obviously, there's no Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. The New Orleans Saints. I find them a very difficult team to to kind of place. We don't know who's going to be quarterback for them. We don't know what's up with Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara has his issues. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious. To, I think I have my answer, but who would you say is the most question marks uh, heading into the offseason in the NFC South? In the NFC South, I really do think the New Orleans Saints have the biggest question marks out of any team almost in the NFL because they bring in an experienced quarterback with Derek Carr. Now, is Derek Carr a QB that really didn't live up to expectations for the Raiders? I would say definitely. But he managed to have a pretty longer career than most as a quarterback. So now he's ending up in New Orleans, and he's not going to be by himself here. They have Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, two very dependable wide receivers, and they have a very experienced running back in Alvin Kamara. Dennis Allen, as a head coach, you know, he's been in this organization for a long time. Is he able to get, have a veteran like Derek Carr and just kind of like left, leave off where Drew Brees kind of like left? Because last year was kind of a write-off is the best way I could put it. So the Saints are kind of bouncing back here with Derek Carr. And to be honest with you, I have no clue what to expect with Derek Carr. I'm not a fan whatsoever of him. And I'm only going to hope for those Saints fans out there that he actually lives up to expectations and the Saints win the division. Will they go deep in the playoffs if they do? I don't think so. But Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints are very hard to figure out. The defense has always been strong in New Orleans, but they lost a few pieces. But the one piece that I really do enjoy is Marshawn Lattimore. I think he's probably maybe the best DB in the league when he's on. He is literally dangerous on every single play. I love that player. So this team is going to pretty much lean on the defense. And if for whatever reason, Derek Carr becomes really, really good with these offensive weapons, maybe New Orleans is the team that nobody really sees coming next year in the NFL. I'm going to jump on that, Dominic. I think you hit a ton of good points. That is my answer as well. I'll, I'll give a, a, my second choice after that, just to play uh, devil's advocate there. You look at the Saints. You had a lot of great points there. And, you know, you talk about the stars on this team, right? Remember when they had, you know, the Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and of course they still have these players, but... These guys used to be game changers, right? Michael Thomas, and you know he had swag, and we used to talk about him as one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the NFL. He could he could run any route. He could make contested catches. His hands were absolute gold. And there was time where 
a season where he just completely dominated in the NFL. And it was, it was, I don't want to say it was his league, but he was putting his, his, his footprints on the league. And then since then, what has happened? You know, he's unfortunately, he's, he's been unable to stay on the football field. And, you know, we just don't, we, we like literally don't know what's happening with him. And if you ask me where he's going to be in the next few seasons, I don't really know. I could see, I could see him retiring. I could see him changing teams. It's just been, there's, it's been that difficult to figure out with Michael Thomas, unfortunately. And, you know, just the, the way he's been able to, or his inability to stay on the football field has been his main concern. And, about his skill, there's no question marks, right? There's no, we know exactly what he can do. You know, he's he's an unassuming player that you know, not the the biggest or uh, most bulky guy, but still can get up there and moss anybody, uh, even while being covered and smothered. And you know, he's been that receiver for them. But since then, like, how often have we heard of Michael Thomas? We we haven't. You talk about top five players in the NFL, top five receivers, even, and Michael Thomas has has never even been in that conversation over the last. I guess I can say season, but he has been in previous seasons. So he kind of fell, fell off the right, even Alvin Kamara now. So he's been great and over the course of his career with New Orleans. But I think that maybe these, this franchise was hoping he'd be even better than he is. I know that's expecting a lot because he's been good. But with the lack of not having a quarterback since Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara's had to take uh, a ton of carries, right? Whether that's in the backfield, whether that's you know pitch plays, screen passes, uh, kind of just dump off passes, and defenses have been ready. They've been keen on Alvin Kamara, especially when Michael Thomas hasn't been in. So it, you know it's kind of you just it's really either of the two. So I think with New Orleans is they really got to find that either that wide receiver two or a solid tight end. And Callaway's been good. Um, he's been able to stretch the field. So. If you're able to get another player like that going, I think that could help this team. But you know, you, you look at it, Dominance, where like how often have we heard of Michael Thomas? Like, I don't think we're exaggerating here. Have we heard of Michael Thomas's name mentioned over the entire last season? Right? Like, I don't think so. No, he's been injured uh, two years ago. He had a huge foot injury. It kind of like came back last year. So he had to miss the majority of last year as well. I think Michael Thomas is, is pretty much done. To be honest with you, we'll see what we get out of him. But this reminds me a lot of AJ Green. When a player hits in his 30s, certain players, if they had certain injuries in the new NFL, if you don't got speed, you're on the bench. And if you're on the bench, you're soon out the door. So Michael Thomas, either you ball out this year or you could kiss it goodbye because you are done. It's sad to say you were tremendous with Drew Brees, but Drew Brees obviously was a Hall of Famer for a reason. So as much as Michael Thomas is a great receiver, I think he will be out the door. If you had to pick between Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins, both of them are 30, who would you take? Oof, that's a great question, Dom. I'm going D-Hop. I, I love myself some D-Hop. I still feel... He is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I know we got guys like Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup taking uh, taking the league by storm. But yeah, D Hop. It's it's another. It's a great question, Don, because I feel he's almost fitting into that category with Michael Thomas. Not that he's been injured as much, or or I guess say quote unquote irrelevant. But we're starting to see him become a little more quiet, and we haven't mentioned D Hop like we used to. And I think that you know the more this goes on, and the more he struggles with the Cardinals and doesn't see eye to eye with Kyler Murray. That could be trouble, but I'm taking D-Hop all day. Just got to be able to stay on the field. 100%. But you see, you could see a guy like D-Hop being 30 as well. He's still playing great football. Granted, he hadn't, he hasn't had the injuries that Michael Thomas has had. Yeah. Do you think 
DeAndre Hopkins stays in Arizona this year because there's a lot of rumblings again this week about his Instagram posts not really confirming that he's going to be playing with the Arizona Cardinals. I don't like it, William. What do you think? I don't like it either. This is my prediction. I think he's going to play one more season with the Arizona Cardinals. I think he's going to go through the motions. I could see that um, him putting up fairly decent stats. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be a very great team. I think they're going to miss the playoffs again. And I think it's going to be his last season in Arizona. I I really just get the sense that he may decide to float this season. um, And that, you know, with the, I don't know, the lack of production that this offensive has had, over the course of the last few seasons, which to me is unexplainable. I mean, a lot of it points to Kyler Murray, but it's it's more than that, obviously. And Dick Kingsbury now is out the door, so we'll see how that changes. But I think he's going to play one more season. That'd be my prediction. Uh, it won't be a season where he feels very determined or excited or, you know, uh, puts in his all. And I think that's going to be his last season with the Cardinals. It's very likely. I think that uh, John Ray Hopkins is searching for a Super Bowl. And if you look at the Arizona yeah. Cardinals after the draft, what excites you? To be honest, nothing much. The only yeah. amazing pick they got, and I mean, you have to do it, is they got Paris Johnson Jr., a great offensive lineman, probably going to play left guard for the Cardinals, which leaves you know the team pretty much offensively intact. They haven't really added great weapons. One could say maybe they added their best weapon in Zach Ertz last year. So you got Marquise Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, and they're look, looking like going to be bringing back James Conner as their primary running back. I don't know. I don't know if that does it in this division. It's all going to be on Kyler Murray's shoulders. But with older wide receivers, as we're talking about, DeAndre Hopkins seeking a Super Bowl, how many more years does he stay in with the Cardinals? And if he were to go somewhere, I'll ask you, William, if he asks Ask for a trade. I could see two different things happening right now. We got the Raiders with Devontae Adams, not 100% sure uh, of what's going on with him with the Vegas. And we got DeAndre Hopkins, not 100% sure what's happening with him with the Cardinals. So do you potentially see both of these receivers ending up in new teams actually even before kickoff of this season? You know, it's crazy to think that with how great both both receivers are and you'd want to be able to, to hold on to these guys with your life. But the way the NFL has been, yes. And that's just been sports over the last few seasons, right? Not just the NFL. We've seen superstars move teams um, uh, more easily than it should be uh, in the world of sports today. And I could see it. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Diop will stay one more year. But if you're telling me right now that Diop is wearing another uniform heading into next season uh, or or Michael Thomas's as well. I wouldn't even be all that surprised. It's I just think it's the the new NFL and it's the way that you know players aren't happy somewhere. They're gonna make it known. GMs aren't GMs and coaches and and general managers aren't gonna deal with that crap. They're gonna say you want out, you got out. See you later. So I would not be surprised, Dominic. No. Yeah, I'm gonna eye one team, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs can make a move. I doubt Adams stays in the division and ends up in KC. That would be just a crazy move. That would be the dumbest move ever for the Raiders. But I could see D-Hop ending up in Kansas City. I really do think that's a possibility. It would probably take a first-round draft pick. I really think that DeAndre Hopkins is that good because Kansas City is going to be a late first-round draft pick, most likely, anyways. And Vendels Cantling, Tony, Sky Moore, and they picked up, what, Rashi Rice? If there's one element in Kansas City that I would try to improve on is at the right receiver front. What are your thoughts of uh, Hopkins going in Kansas City? 
it's funny, Dom. You th- you look at this team and you say there's no way to get another receiver. There's, they're just too good, yada, yada. But they seem to find ways, uh, draft capital, money to be able to get superstars. And that's actually a, a really good prediction. Um, if you're a D-hop, why would you not want to play with the best team in the NFL, with the best quarterback in the NFL? Um, and, yeah, I could see this. <laughs> it's a good one. I know it would sound crazy to some. You think, okay, like, that's not possible. They just they wouldn't have the money and it'd just be too much. The team would be too stacked. But, you know, the way this franchise is run, they are very well um, oiled machine and everyone is bought into the system. And I could see a guy like Diop coming in and the other receivers being okay with it because everybody on, on this team wants to win a Super Bowl. That's their main goal. Not targets, not, you know, being able to make the Pro Bowl, being a Hall of Famer. As long as they're able to better their team, uh, that's okay with them. And they're a very selfless group of guys. So I can see that happening. And oof, for the NFL sake, I hope it doesn't happen because that'd be a little bit of a cheat code. That sounds like some ultimate team stuff. But uh, yeah, that would be great. Folks. Let's stick to the NFC South. I think we had some uh, some good stuff rolling there. And, uh, you know, we talked about the New Orleans Saints, question marks. Uh, you can make the case that every single one of these franchises has question marks heading into the season. Uh, for me, I'll go, I'll talk about the, a little bit with the Atlanta Falcons is, you know, what are these guys going to do, right? Where's the identity on this team? We know they like to run the football. Um, and they've done a fairly good job running the football last season. And Marcus Mariota was, you know, was a dual threat quarterback. He is no longer there. They have Algier at running back, who's been good. Kyle Pitts has been solid for this team, but I think, you know, we're, we want a little bit more production out of him. But it's also difficult because this team, like I said, likes to run the ball a lot. For the Atlanta Falcons, it's it's trying to find out where these guys are going and who's going to be quarterback for these guys. I guess, you know, they got Desmond Ritter now, who um, they took early on in the drafts a few seasons ago, and uh, he's he's hoping to be uh, obviously taking QB one reps for these guys because he sat uh, for a little while now, and I think it may be time to, to throw him out to, to the Wolves and, and see what he can do. Because other than that, you look at uh, where the team is headed and uh, the quarterbacks that they have, and it's not a huge list of guys. You've got Taylor Heineke as well, um, and it's really between the two of them. It's between Ritter and Heineke. I'm curious to see who starts the season. Um, you know, I think, like I said, they may have throw out Ritter and TV He's going to uh, adjust to the NFL and uh, maybe try and take the league by storm. But this is another team, the Falcons, that, you know, it's where's the identity on this team? And I really feel like since they lost that Super Bowl, it's played mentally with them. Um, and, and we have not seen this team have the spark or the direction that we're used to seeing uh, these guys have when they had Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. They got a whole different <laughs> bunch of players now, and it's going to be uh, up to guys like Ritter and Heineke to, to probably take him to the promised land. Yeah, this team, unfortunately, I don't know if they're going to be as good as they were last year. In other words, Arthur Smith shocked the world with a hell of a running game that no one saw coming last year in the NFL. He's not going to be shocking in nobody this year. They know they drafted an amazing running back in Bajan Robinson. And whether or not he is a right fit in Atlanta remains to be seen. I love Robinson. I think he's going to be definitely a good back, but I don't know if he's going to be utilized properly. This guy is supposed to be lining up all over the field. This reminds me exactly when Kyle Pitts entered. They said the same thing. We're going to line Kyle Pitts in all sorts of different area. And he was supposed to be the focal point. Now they're going to try to make Bajan Robinson the focal point. The problem here in Atlanta is Desmond Ritter. 
They don't have a quarterback. I love the fact that they brought in Heineke, but Heineke, again, is a guy that plays on kind of like if he's on a streak, a winning streak, he can write it and his confidence there. But when his confidence is not there, Taylor Heineke is not that good of a quarterback. So I got a lot of question marks in Atlanta. I want to believe in them because I really love Arthur Smith's ability uh, and his, his scheming ability. I think it's just above a lot of coaches in the NFL. But is Bajan Robinson in this offense going to kind of like really get it out of sync? I say that only because last year they drafted Tyler Aguilar. Now this guy, believe it or not, should have been the number one running back this year. For some odd reason, they drafted Robinson. This, unfortunately, I don't want to say it's a mistake, but it wasn't the right fit. They already had Correll Patterson, who a lot of people, like myself, were huge on. This guy revived his career in Atlanta, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. So we're going to see a little less of him. We're going to see, I still think Aguilar, from what I've read, is still going to be a goal line back, kind of like a north and south runner. And I don't want that. I don't want a frigging running back combination in Atlanta because it takes away of Robinson's ability to get the ball 20 times, to set up some runs, and to be the very best that Robinson can be. So all that being said, believe it or not, I think Atlanta regresses this year, specifically on offense. I think who's going to actually really help on this team is the defensive players that they picked up. I think guys like Bud Dupree and Jeff Akuda were really solid pickups, and they're going to help this defense, and they're going to be very competitive. They're going to be in many of these football games. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes down to, let's just say Desmond Ryder has the ball, and he's got to drive the field, and you can't rely so much on the running game anymore, I think Ryder's the difference here that makes Atlanta go downwards. And that's why I don't think Atlanta's going to make the playoffs. This is what I can see happening. I think that, you know, you have a good point in the sense that was Robinson the best fit for the Atlanta Falcons team? You know, maybe not. Um, just because of the the running back, you know, Alier like they have, who's, who's a solid back. Um, and maybe a player that's too good to pass up on, but we got to remember this team loves to run the football and, you know, that may be their identity. So potentially that's where they're headed. And they may think it's the complete opposite and that he's Robinson's the perfect fit. What I'm a little nervous about for this team is I can see, you know, you'd ask if he's, he's going to be able to be utilized the way he should be Robinson. I could see him being forced fed the ball early. And I'm not sure that's exactly what you want to do with the rookie running back just because the wear and tear he's already, you know, taking quite a few carries with Texas. Um, and, you know, he's shown he can, he's durable, right? He's shown that he's able to, uh, you know, get 25 plus carries a game and catch the ball to the backfield. And he's going to be that guy. And he just, he's built like an athletic freak and he can take it. I'm just worried that this Falcons team is going to overuse him. And what I mean by that is, you know, okay, uh, we have a shiny new toy, third and three, let's hand him off the ball. He's going to be able to get us three, four yards. And that could be, but you want to be able to a be unpredictable on your offense um, and keep defenses guessing. And B you want to make sure that this guy is going to be there for you guys in the long run. You know, you didn't take him where you did in the draft to have one or two good seasons for you guys. You want him to be a pro bowler and obviously you want him to be a hall of famer as well, but this guy has what it takes to be both of those things. So I just want to make sure the Falcons use him in the right way. A little bit contrary to what you're saying, I just want to make sure they don't overuse him is what is what I'm getting at here because I could see that, you know, this team falling in love with him. And as you should, right, you know, there's a lot of things that this guy can do. But maybe you have that two-running back system, right? Have Algier and Robinson kind of not necessarily split carries 50-50, but 
when Robinson gets tired, you could throw him uh, Algeria to the goal line, like you mentioned, uh, or, uh, you know, a little bit, take, take a drive on for him uh, and give uh, Robinson time to, to rest on the sideline. Because I, I can see this happening where potentially he gets overused and, you know, you see running backs' careers are very short in the NFL. Um, and, you know, that's something that's not going to change anytime soon. And I just don't want that to be the case with Robinson here because he does have the longevity uh, and the ability to be able to, to carry the ball a ton. But I'm just not sure all, all the wear and tear I expect the Falcons to put on him will be able to uh, he'll be able to endure with his body over the, over the course of this season and, and the seasons to come. Yeah, I mean, I love the back. I just think that at the end of the day, we'll have to wait to see whether or not he fits in Atlanta or whether or not he is a chess piece more than anything else. And that's not what this guy needs to be. He needs to be the focal point of an offense. And I don't see it right now in Atlanta because this is a team first mentality. Kind of like, if I compare this to Tennessee, you know, Tennessee, Derrick Henry, that's like a guy that can really handle the load i don't think the strategy is for bajan robinson to handle the load and they're going to dump it off to a variety of different backs but i would have loved to see him be a three down back in the nfl and i don't think that's where we're going to see and as a result this nfc south william is wide open oh yeah I mean, what are your thoughts on the buccaneers then right now i was reading an article on espn they were putting up the greatest college quarterbacks to ever played college football. And guess who number one was because of his longstanding career and his statistics, they put Baker Mayfield wow. number one college football player to ever play the position. And the, since the year 2000 was the, uh, the article and I was amazed. Okay. So which brings me to Baker Mayfield and with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, We've seen him in Cleveland. He was horrible. We've seen him with the Rams. I looked at the statistics. I, someone was trying to make a case. Like, it was horrible there, too. But granted, he never really had these receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. This could be something beautiful for Baker. And could Baker potentially revive his career? And could they maybe even win this division? Wouldn't that be a shocker that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Todd Bulls, who would expect that... Like he, this offense is probably going to be predominantly uh, through the running game. They're going to try to, you know, turn the clock with that running game. We've got Rashad White, we've got Chase Edmonds, not big running backs. But yes. what are your thoughts on Tampa Bay? Is there something there potentially with Baker and those receivers and Mike Evans and Godwin? Tampa Bay is a funny team. Um, and I think your, your best point there is he hasn't had these weapons, right? Godwin. Mike Evans, um, and you know, you look at what this team has been able to do uh, over the course of the last few seasons. Obviously, win a Super Bowl, obviously be competitive, and of course, look, they had Tom Brady. But this is a team that's ready to win now, right? It's not a team where Baker's going to have to come in. You know, he's going to make make some mistakes, and his receivers are going to make mistakes, and he's going to have to be, you know, a quote unquote leader for these guys. And it's going to be uh, a team that takes a, a few games to gel. I'm sure they're going to take some games to gel, right? It's it, Baker's a new system, but it's not a project he has to work with here. This is a team that's ready to to win now. Like I said, defensively, these guys are good. They're solid, and there's a few players that wanted out. Tampa Bay for some reason, um, but this is still one of the best defenses in the NFL. And you look at that offense, just having those two receivers should be enough for Baker Mayfield to be able to move the chains, um, 
put points up on the board. This is kind of a team unlike any other for Baker. And I'm super curious to see because, look, you look at Baker and his NFL career, and unfortunately, it hasn't been what we'd hoped for, right? It's, there's the off-the-field issues. There's the antics. And let, let's just take that away for a second. He was drafted high by the Cleveland Browns, and it didn't work out there. And like you talked about, the Rams didn't work out either. And it's he came in with a lot of pressure. And that article that you talked about there was perfect, right? The number one player, college, fo- college football quarterback since 2000. And he came in with a ton of pressure on his shoulders. And I think that's why... We look at his NFL career and right now. It has not been a success, right? He'll admit it. So he has the opportunity now and a really good opportunity at that with the division being as weak as, as, weak as it is, with the receivers that he has, with the culture that, you know, this group um, of football players has. Right now, I like, I think they're favorites too in the division, right? I mean, you, you could make the case it's the Saints. It's not the it's not the Falcons. It's not the Panthers uh, just yet. It's between the Saints and the Bucks as favorites to win the division. And maybe okay, the Saints will be favorites just because of Derek Carr. You know, you got at least you know you have a solid quarterback there that's going to win you a few games. But I I think you can make the case Tampa Bay's favorite to win this division. And yeah, you talk about players with a lot of pressure on them this year. If there's one guy that needs a great great year to revive his career and to kind of save um, you know where his NFL career is headed, it's Baker Mayfield. So. Uh, he's got the tools like you said he's got the tools to do it now it's just going to be up to him and can he put up points uh with this high fl- high flying offense yeah it's uh, it's about the offensive ability to use the scheme properly and to use baker's skill set to the maximum i mean i saw a lot of games with, with baker mefield I'm, I'm not a believer but i'm a, i'm a believer in this offense i do love mike evans i do love godwin these guys are superstars without a doubt so Todd Bowles just needs to find a way to get these guys, you know, producing in this offense. And there's one thing in one area that this offense was not as good as it will be this year, which was the offensive line. The offensive line was dismantled last year. All sorts of injuries. We never got to see the real Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now you're going to have a, obviously a fresh Tristan Wirth. They got a really good center in Ryan Jensen. And they got a steal at right guard. This other guy that looks like you're going to have two Irish guys in the trenches <laughs> in Cody Muck. You got to go check this guy out, William, if you haven't already. This guy is going to be quite the show in Tampa Bay. And you need to win the trenches battle. You need to have Baker to have time. So if Baker has time, he's going to develop a bit more confidence because one thing that he could do usually i mean at least we saw it in college football is that he's an accurate quarterback so if you have an accurate quarterback you have a solid running game you've got the protection you can lean on your defense who knows what Tampa Bay could do this year in that week divisions but so all your Tampa Bay Buccaneers out there don't be surprised if Tampa Bay wins the division and don't lose faith even though Tom Brady is gone and Baker Mayfield is your quarterback Good things might be coming your way this year for the Buccaneers. We kind of answered a question I was going to talk about. Brady obviously struggled offensively with these guys, and they just, so many games they struggled to put up points. It was, you know, it was shocking. It was shocking to say the least. 
So I was going to ask you what makes you think that potentially Baker Mayfield could change up, but you talked about the offensive line. Obviously, that's huge. We know how big uh, a solid offensive lineman can be, and, and you through the trenches, that's where the games are won and lost. So you really think that, you know, even though after the poor offensive output from Tampa Bay last season, and yeah, you can put a lot of it was on Tom Brady and the fact that, you know, he was getting older and he, he I don't want to say he lost it, but he wasn't obviously what he used to be, and he just didn't seem as motivated, and who knows if he was mentally there with uh, what he was going on in his uh, in his um, marital life. But you think that the the offensive line and them getting healthy and uh, who they drafted in uh, in the, uh, the draft this year in 2023, that could be enough to potentially get this offense going, even though they've struggled on O last year as much as they did? Well, listen, you know, it's, there's a lot being said there about Tom Brady, and there's a lot to take into account that yeah. – Bruce Arians it was no longer the head coach. It's Todd Bowles' team. And I don't know if Todd Bowles is a great head coach. He's certainly an amazing defensive coordinator, without a doubt. But sometimes there's certain guys that are just not meant to be head coaches. So if there's somebody on the hot seat, it's definitely Todd Bowles. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt of being a really good coach, professional, able to put Tampa Bay together with all those offensive weapons and have a decent season and, and fight for a playoff spot to the very bitter end. And I, I honestly think that it will come down to coaching in that division. Whoever coaches the best will win the division. I'm with you on Bowles. I'm not sure he has the spark, the rah-rah, the dog in him to be that a coach that is able to kind of command the locker room and look, Maybe I'm wrong. What do I know? But just judging from what you see on the field, he just yeah, I, I, he just seems really quiet. Like I've never really seen him say a word. And look, I, I love every coach sticking to their guns and being who they are. And that's super important. And I don't think anybody should change, especially um, any, everybody in the NFL now has made it where they are uh, because of, you know, the hard work that they put in. So definitely not knocking um, balls on that. But maybe he's not... Fit to be a head coach and I think that's a really good point that you said so people are great defensive coordinators offensive coordinators special teams coaches assistant coaches um and I'm not sure he has what it takes to be that you know head coach that could lead this team to the Super Bowl who knows um but I agree with you he does have he is on the hot seat this year so we talked about the NFC South and the fact that you know this division is up for grabs and you can make the case that I guess all four teams are favorites to win the division. Is there another division where you see it really up for grabs? You know, there's some divisions where you kind of lock teams in and think that, you know, they're favorites and, you know, they're top dogs um, to win the division. And like we talk about certain teams that won division for X amount of straight years, uh, X amount of years in a row. But I feel like right now the NFL with the player movement and everything that's going on and the coaching changes – these divisions are being a little bit more uh, difficult to predict of, of who even, let alone who the winners are going to be, but who the favorites are heading into some. Do you think that there's another division similar to this NFC South where there's a ton of question marks and uh, realistically, realistically now, all four teams could win the division um, heading into the season. So yeah, is there another division besides the NFC South you could, uh, you could see that similar to that? Similar, no. But like you mentioned, the NFL has become such, such a league full of parity that anybody can win the division uh, on any given uh, year. I think yeah. that uh, what we're seeing is teams winning by inches. You'll look at the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, we thought that the Eagles had it and the Kansas City Chiefs found a miraculous way to win that game. To me, that's what football is all about, to play to the very last second and uh, may the best team wins. And that being said, all teams currently in the NFL, including the Houston Texans, have a chance 
to win the Super Bowl this year. You got professionals out there, and every year it seems to be getting tighter and tighter. And the biggest reason why, to me, is that there's not enough great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. There's not enough traditional pocket quarterbacks that are able to thread the needle like a dime. Guys like Tom Brady, we might not see that for a long, long time. Joe Burrow, great QB. Don't get me wrong. He's got an amazing opportunity to put Cincinnati over the top this year. Huge, huge opportunity. I mean, Kansas City, the reason why I think Pat Mahomes is winning all these Super Bowls is that he doesn't have an amazing quarterback really to face him year in and year out. The closest is Burrow, and Burrow's had his number more often than none. So that's pretty much the number one and number two QBs, in my opinion. You could throw in Aaron Rodgers there, but he's got a you know a lot of problems usually finding a way to keep, keep his emotions in check. And we yeah. see it every single game. He, he blames his receivers and all that. And that's not a, a true leader to me. As much as I love Rodgers, and I really do, I think he's a phenomenal QB, there needs to be more composure on his end for, for me to, to, to give him that, um, that kind of like boost, like a Brady and whatnot. Obviously, right. championships in your resume speaks for itself. And that's usually that's what you point towards. But yeah, there's not enough great QBs right now in the NFL, which makes the parity that much obvious. And in that, in that case, anybody can win the Super Bowl on any given year. So Right now, if I had to pick the the best up-and-coming QB after Mahomes, I'd have to say Joe Burrow only because of his ability to thread the needle. I think he is by far the best quarterback that we're going to see, even maybe better than Pat Mahomes for for the next 10 years or so. I'm with you on that. Look, we've we've heard some analysts say that they even think that Mahomes and uh, and Burrow are a lot closer than people think, and that some of you said Burrow is the number one quarterback in the NFL just because they feel Burrow is more consistent, um, and that you know his uh, he's able to kind of take the pieces he has and, and and better them. For me, like Mahomes is still number one. I think he's still the best player in the NFL. I really feel like it's hard to argue that. But yeah, I think it's clear right now that Burrow is number two at the quarterback position in the NFL. Like you look, okay, who else could kind of give him his run for his money? Yes, you said Aaron Rodgers. I like I, Josh Allen still crosses my mind, but until he shows that he can be a, a solidified winner um, and get the most out of his, I'm not sure either. And I know this may be saying a lot. I'm not sure Josh Allen gets the best out of his players either. I think that him and Stefan Diggs have a great connection um, and, you know, they're friends off the field and they play video games together. And I love that. That's such a great story. And it's, it's like from a movie, you know, you can't make that stuff up. And I think that's awesome. But what are your thoughts on that, Dom? Is it harsh for me to say that? Or I, I'm not sure. Like I think Burrow does get the best out of his receivers. I think Pat Mahomes does get the best out of his out of his receivers. I think Justin Herbert does as well. I would take Josh Allen over Herbert. Obviously, I would. But I think that I see Justin Herbert gets the most out of his receivers. And I'm not really sure why. I think maybe, maybe he trusts him a little bit more. Maybe just the way he leads. But I'm not sure that Josh Allen is a quarterback to me that gets that is able to elevate the game of his receivers and gets the most of them. What are your thoughts on that? My biggest knock on Josh Allen mm-hmm. is he looks like a QB that's too anxious. In other words, he's mm-hmm. full of anxiety. He thinks that he has to be the savior for the Buffalo Bills franchise. And granted, this team has probably faced out of almost any sports franchises the hardest adversity. Uh, they lost four Super Bowls back to back to back. It's just it's one of those things, you know, if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, and it's a tough 
tough, tough year every single year to, to hope that your team can get back to that magic. And we saw it just a couple of years ago. They had, in my opinion, a Super Bowl team. And Kansas City somehow won that game against Buffalo with I don't know how many seconds left. Something you'll probably never see again. It's just ridiculous. But Josh Allen's problem is that he's a very anxious QB. And what that usually breeds is turnovers and mistakes. If he could mm -hmm. solve that, then sure. And how do you solve that? You solve that by not making him the focal point. Make this team a running team for crying out loud. We've been talking about this so much, so many years. This is the year that we're supposed to see it, right? Josh Allen is not supposed to be staying, um, or I should say Josh Allen's not supposed to be running around as much. He's supposed to be handing yeah. it off a lot more. That could be uh, the recipe to a Super Bowl. It could be. Is James Cook and Damian Harris the guys to lead it? Ah, I'm, I'm really hard-pressed to say yes. But I'm going to have to. I'm going to say that Damian Harris, from what I saw, this guy thread on his tires, meaning that you can give him the ball 20 times a game and he can literally ball out. I do have a lot more confidence in Damian Harris than James Cook, only because James Cook, you know, he's entering his third year now. He's not a, a proven back yet in the NFL. I love him. I think that he's really, really good, like his brother, but I want to see it before I believe it. But Damian Harris... If a guy, if I had to pick a guy to help the Buffalo Bills this year, I would give the, the Rock 20 times to Damian Harris a game and let Josh Allen not be so anxious every single game. But the problem also here is Buffalo lost a lot of big defensive players. It'll be interesting to see how good this Buffalo defense is. I don't think it's that as good. And that's the whole reason why I think Buffalo is very close to missing the playoffs, if not for sure going to miss the playoffs. Oh, boys, Bills fans, I hope you guys are listening. And if you are, take it with uh, you know, a little bit of uh, a sprinkle of salt there because it looks like this uh, this team, I don't want to say it's heading in the wrong direction, but with the amount of uh, teams impressing in the AFC, you want to make sure that you have control over the division. Yeah, and that division even is getting better. So Buffalo, and then you got a little fire under your butt because the time is now. So, Dom, you brought up a great point uh, and what you said and something that I want to continue touching up uh, upon about great quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, some may find it a little bit uh, controversial to say that, you know, right now we haven't seen great quarterbacks in the NFL. But I get what you're saying, and I tend to agree. And look, the top five to seven QBs in this league are, are absolute ballers, right? And you can make the case that each and every one of them will be Hall of Famers um, and, you know, have the chance to win a Super Bowl. Um, and really, you know, have the chance to to, to kind of lead uh, a franchise to exactly where they want to go and have been what teams wanted them to be when they drafted them. So you look at like quarterback needy teams, and I feel like now we've seen it a lot more than in the past in terms of teams that, you know, really need a quarterback and like who's going to quarterback for these guys. Like we just talked about it on the show. Uh, you look at Atlanta. Who's their quarterback going to be? You know, Carolina, like obviously after the quarterback, they, they got the question marks. Tampa Bay, like... Yes, they have Baker, but they're kind of still a QB needy team. I just don't know if Baker's going to be the guy for them. And I think it makes for a kind of an interesting offseason, of course. But, like, this is where you really get to see coaches, general managers, um, and uh, and play their part on football. And 
put their fingerprints all over our franchise because, look, you may not have the best fit at the quarterback position. There are, of course, teams that need quarterbacks, but you, you're, you're going to find a way to make it work. Like Kind of like Geno Smith in Seattle, like the way that they were able to make that work last year, I found that was that was incredible. I thought that was really good coaching by Pete Carroll, and I really did not think Geno Smith was going to have half as good a season as he did. And, uh, and you know, they ended up surprising people and, uh, and you know, we were able to have a, a very solid season overall. So, like, yeah, Geno Smith is kind of the example I would use uh, in terms of how they were able to kind of fit the pieces around him uh, and the coaching worked. And, look, of course, he had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and that worked. But he was also very good as well. So do you think it's going to be up to these quarterbacks that have had decent careers in order to step it up now? Or do you think that right now we're going to need to have kind of franchises find the best quote-unquote fit for quarterbacks and the best fit for their team? Um because there's certain quarterbacks that that can play under certain systems and, and certain quarterbacks that unfortunately just can't excel. What do you kind of make of that, Dom? Do you think it's more um, the fact that we're seeing a lot more QB needy teams that teams are missing on who they're drafting uh, or they're just not you know well prepared or their their ambitions for this quarterback are a little bit too high and through the roof and you know they kind of uh, need to be brought brought back down to earth and be become a little more realistic? Because I think that there's like I said, when I look at court, the, over the uh, the NFL and all 32 teams, I think there's a lot more teams that are quote-unquote QB needy uh, than in the past few seasons. Well, it's a big question, and it's got multiple kind of like angles to it. I'll try to kind of like answer it very simply. We're in a transition you know, kind of like era in the NFL, and we're seeing the game change in so many different ways. And as a result... I think a lot of franchises are, are lacking an identity in terms of the direction that they're going to go with, which is traditional football or new football. And what I mean by that is that because the quarterback position is an, a position that used to be a lot more uh, not as protected. Nowadays, you know, you could basically, unfortunately, fall into the QB the wrong way and you're getting yourself a 15-yard penalty. So you read that him the wrong way, Dom. Sorry to cut you off. You could, if you look at him the wrong way, you're getting a 15-yard flag. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. And it revolves around player safety and it revolves around a franchise's investment in a quarterback. So that's one angle. The other angle right now is, is that the game is changing and there, as a result... You're seeing a lot of teams bringing in younger coaches in the league. And these coaches are bringing in with them their college football system. And that, unfortunately, as a result, is changing the game in the NFL. Some people might say for the better because we're seeing high, higher scores. And some people might, might say like, well, you know, you might be getting higher scores. But when you're in a very key situation, you're making the wrong call because you're inexperienced at what you're supposed to do. So to me, those are kind of like coaching, QBs, the two biggest elements, in my opinion, in football are those two. And it's really in flux right now in the NFL. We don't, we don't have a lot of great QBs and we don't have a lot of great coaches. And as a result, teams are trying to find ways to win differently. And we almost saw it last year with a young coach and obviously a young QB with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Nick Sirianni. And you got yourself Jalen Hurts. They almost did it. That would have been a huge blueprint. And I still think it has had an impact. And we're going to see a lot of teams trying to duplicate that, which is, you know, invest in a young, young QB like Jalen Hurts, bring, bring in a really good, young, experienced coach like Sirianni and hope for the best that it could all glue together by bringing in veterans like A.J. Brown and so forth. So 
That's the problem. And that recipe to me is a losing recipe. It's a losing recipe because eventually the real talent at the QB position will emerge. Guys that don't have to depend so much on their athletic gifts and they're able to understand playbooks and read defenses like no other. And those guys are far and few between. We just saw, like I said, Tom Brady retire. We just saw Drew Brees retire. To me, those guys were absolutely cerebral when they came to the quarterback position. They knew exactly what to do. And we're kind of seeing the same thing with Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid. But look, Andy Reid, he's seen it all, right? He Pat Mahomes was so blessed to have fallen to the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid because Andy Reid, I don't know how many NFC championships that he he was with the with the Eagles. He had McNabb. He had so many different other QBs with him. He, he tried. And at the end of the day, he only won in Kansas City because he inherited a jewel in Pat Mahomes. And those don't come often. So at the end of the day, I think as the years progress, we will see more great traditional pocket QBs that are more dangerous than an athletic QB. Because at the end of the day, to get the ball from point A to point Z is a lot quicker than running 50 yards down the field. That's just the way I see it. And the NFL has really changed the game in terms of the rules and all that to accommodate player safety. And that's what I think are the main reasons we're seeing all this kind of like fluctuation in the NFL. I think that it's going to change, but we just need to see the talent come out in the college programs. And they're going to come out, what, once in a blue moon. Guys, right now that I'm looking at this year, I didn't really see a QB uh, that's special as a pocket quarterback, but I did see another gifted, really great athletic quarterback in Richardson. The Indianapolis Colts have found themselves a jewel, I believe, and they're going to be able to replicate what we saw in Philadelphia in Indianapolis. That, yeah, that's going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on there with the Colts in that division as a whole and what Anthony Richardson's able to do. Um, yeah, he is kind of like, he is kind of the, I, I would say Kyle Pitts version, uh, Kyle Pitts QB version or tight end version of a quarterback, just because the way that he is able to kind of make something out of nothing and just how athletic he is and the the the, the ease at which he plays at uh, just really kind of reminds me of that of Kyle Pitts, obviously completely different positions. I'm just trying to, to compare the two now and it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, is able to adapt to the NFL and what the Colts decide to do there. But I think your take was really good uh, on QBs and in general, and, uh, and you know, a, a lot of that being on the coaches and finding these, these hidden gems. And that's what I'm saying that a lot of it is like coaches, GMs and draft. And, you know, we talk about fit and fit is huge. Um, fit is huge in all of sports, but especially in football and especially with quarterbacks where you can have a quarterback that just doesn't see eye to eye to your offensive coordinator, to your head coach. And, you know, what are you going to do about that? Unfortunately, it's not, it's not something that can really work out. Like imagine, for example, Pat Mahomes playing with the San Francisco 49ers when Jimmy G was there. Like does that, uh, of course, San Fran is instantly a Super Bowl contender, which they already were. But how does you know how does that pan out? A team that likes to run the ball as much as San Francisco does, um, that kind of relies on the short game, on the quick passes. Like that's not really Mahomes' style. So I think you, you that fit is huge, and we have been able, we're blessed to see, like you said, a lot of great fits over the course of uh, quarterback. Uh, 
head coach relationships, quarterback, GM relationships, quarterback, and their wide receivers and just the system and buying in. But unfortunately, we've seen a lot of them where it just, it just hasn't meshed out. And, you know, we thought it would. And, uh, and unfortunately, there, it, it just uh, has not been. Look, you said Anthony Richardson. Let's take a, an eye on him. Do you think that this is a good place for him in terms of him being able to succeed? Uh, you know, he's got Michael Pittman Jr., uh, who that you and I are both high on. And, you know, it's got, it's got a solid defense. In terms of system and in terms of fit and in terms of if this team can get the most out of Anthony Richardson, do you think that the Colts was a good spot for him to land uh, in order for you know him to either sit back and to learn his first year or two or to kind of jump in there regardless of when he plays? How do you find the fit uh, with Anthony Richardson and the Indianapolis Colts? Oh, that's a beautiful fit. I think that what the Indianapolis, what the Indianapolis Colts did by bringing in Shane Steichen, you know, a guy that molded Jalen Hurts he knows exactly how to play that system. So I don't know what to expect from him as a head coach. That's going to be the million-dollar question. But I think the idea of bringing what we just saw in Philadelphia to Indianapolis has all the ingredients. You need to have a solid, solid defense. And, I mean, Leonard, as the middle linebacker, is the leader of that defense. And he can hold his own on any given Sunday. And he will scare the daylights at, out of any offensive position or out of any QBs. I really do think Indy playing in a dome, that's a huge advantage. You don't have to worry about half the season being in a dome. It'll play into Richardson's favor. So this guy will be electric. Mark my words. I know he's a horrible, accurate quarterback, but you ask me, can you like, you know, see the game change and see it kind of like evolving in a different direction. Yes, you can maximize your quarterback's athletic abilities and play not just four down football, but like literally four down football. That means you're almost always going for it on fourth down, no matter where you're at. That's a whole new angle to the NFL that we've never seen. We saw it maximized last year by the Eagles because they had one of the greatest offensive line that I've ever witnessed. And believe it or not, the Colts do have a huge offensive line. They had a down year last year, but they will be ready this year. Mark my words, Indy will be fighting for that division. The, the Colts have always had a solid online, right? And we talked about the guys there with the draft, a few guys out of Notre Dame, and they've just been massive, massive guys. And yeah, like you said, they had a down year. But that's been kind of the calling card for this team is that. And I think in order to alleviate the pressure off of Anthony Richardson, it's going to have to be JT, Jonathan Tater, that, you know, is, is going to carry the load. And of course, if you want to be able to, to throw the football with your new QB, let him make his mistakes, slash learn, slash make his great throws early on in his career. But Jonathan Taylor, we talked about this on the, on the show a few weeks ago he's gonna have to have a better year than he did last year you know he was number one in uh drafted in most fantasy leagues and unfortunately that just did not pan out for um for fantasy owners and for him individually because this team is good right but i think they're gonna go really similar as far as jonathan taylor is able to take them because you know a this like you said dom this offensive line is very solid and it's not going to take an ex ex especially uh special running back to be able to find a hole there but with the ability that he has and his ability to break tackles like this is you know a, a fit also very good for him as well we talk about a good fit for anthony richardson it's a good fit for jonathan taylor as well um and you know that's why I can see that, uh, you know, this team, even though they don't have, uh, you know, kind of that uh, veteran quarterback um, that uh, that he's proven themselves, um, 
that this team could still also win the division uh, in the AFC. So if we talk about both selves and both of them are up for grabs, right? Like, you know, you look at some divisions that, you know, you can kind of foresee the division winners. But I think this is a cool uh, time win right now in the NFL just because, look, while it may not be um, as as many powerhouses uh, in terms of uh, who we think is going to uh, potentially win the division and you think that's why, hmm, like, okay, maybe potentially that's why it's hard to pick a division winner. But the way I look at it is, look, Teams are getting better, uh, and teams that you know haven't been good in the past are starting to excel. Look at Jacksonville, right? Like they're uh, a team that you know a lot of people are saying even a, super, a sleeper pick to win the Super Bowl, which may be a bit of a stretch. But we've seen teams progress uh, just by being patient, by trusting the process. So uh, I think that uh, you know it's kind of cool where we're in the, an era right now in the NFL where you know divisions are up for grabs uh, even before the especially before the season started and even late on the season. Yeah, it's great for the fans, right? Every every week you can show up to the NFL or to the stadium and, and hope that your team's going to win. And maybe if you're, you know, kind of like staying 500 football, have a shot at the at a playoff spot when it's all said and done. No, the parity of, of this league is, is great for the fans. They get to be, you know, up and tailgating and, and celebrating on, on any given Sunday. So it's great for the fans. But at the end of the day, I still think we will see eventually these great football players at the QB at the QB position that will emerge. We just we're not seeing them right now, but I know for a fact that it's just a matter of time where you're gonna see the next great Tom Brady step his foot on an NFL field. This is why we play the game. We play the game to win and we play the game to to make uh legends uh out of out of athletes and uh it's beautiful to watch we've got to see tom brady in our era and uh we're gonna get to see the next big guy probably within the next five to ten years hey the game is not won on paper it's not played on paper say what you want about point spread about who has a better team on sunday it's about who's best that given Sunday for those three hours, uh, those three hours of regular time, the one hour of game time, uh, and through those those four quarters, because we've seen a lot of upsets happen in the NFL, especially this past season. So it's uh, like, yeah, I think that's uh, the note is be hidden gems and coaching and being able to find uh, that guy, that diamond in the rough is exactly what uh, leads NFL franchises to uh, to the promised land. All right, folks, that is it for our show this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. Without you guys, there is no show. We'll be back next week, same place, same time. Enjoy the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. It's a fun time of year. Go Miami Heat. I'm excited. Hopefully the Heat are able to close out the series tonight as we record. It's Tuesday. But, yes, we'll be back next week. A lot of question marks still surround the NFL. Dalvin Cook, where is he going to go? And we've got a few running backs to keep an eye on there. So maybe we'll have some breaking news before our next show. But, yes, be back next week. Thank you for tuning in. You were listening to CJLO, 69 a.m. in Montreal.